Now, this morning, we continue with, uh, of course, our worship service, but it's because we're going into the new year. It's our last Sunday of 2015. Imagine, 2015 is gone. Your money is gone. <laughs> You've spent your salary, your bonus, whatever, on Christmas gift. It's gone. Right? And we enter into a new year. Next Friday is already what? Right? Imagine. Before it was, we were just counting once. 19. Now it's 20 something. And I'm definitely not 20 something. So, because it is the new year, I would like to give to all of us an old message. What do you see? Can we open? Can we put the slide up? There. What color? My message this morning is just simply going to be black and white. It's just going to be black and white. It's as simple as I can give it. But this is what I've titled it. Can we all read that? Perseverance maximizes potential. Each and every one of us has a potential. Each and every one of us has a specific plan that God has given. But if we do not persevere, we will not reach our potential. We will not reach the maximum of what we are able to do. So we need to persevere. Before we continue, let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. Your word stands forever. So when we share with your people, Lord God, let it be your word that all of us hear and listen to and obey. For without your word, Lord, we don't have a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So I pray, Lord God, that this message will again resonate in our hearts, speak to all of us, and meet us at whatever level and need that we need to hear from you this morning. We commit to you our time, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 8, verse 4 to 15. This is the parable of the sower. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the parable of the sower. It is only the gospel of John that does not have it. All right? Now, you're there. You say, oh, parable of the sower. I know that. I already know that. When I was in Sunday school, we already discussed that. I know. That's the problem. When we have that mindset, we're not as open to what God wants us to know. Because we think we already know it. Right? If you're new in the office, especially you've migrated from the Philippines. In the Philippines, you were so-and-so. Right? And then here, you have to start from scratch. It's your first job. And your supervisor or your trainer, or in our language, my shadow, he has to teach me. And if I'm not teachable, in my mind, I already know that. You just don't know I was vice president in the Philippines. Here I'm janitor. But I know that already. So you become unteachable. 
So let me share this with you again. When a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke, by the way, of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and it so as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell in good soil and grew up, produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. I chose the Gospel of Luke because as I looked at the two other stories in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, I noticed that the key is that word perseverance. That's why, I've, again, I've entitled our message this morning, Perseverance Maximizes Potential. Perseverance Maximizes Potential. Here we see four soils. A hard type of soil, a rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the last one was the fertile soil. Verse 4, when a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by the way, by way of a parable. If you're reading your Bible, you will notice that Jesus has many different teaching styles. He would teach in a multitude. Sometimes he would get on a boat and teach from the boat because the crowd was so big. Sometimes he would speak in parables. In other times, he will speak directly. He has a large crowd. Sometimes he's just sitting and teaching with his disciples. From the 12, he would pull out even three and speak to them on a more personal level. Jesus had many styles of, of teaching. In this particular part of the passage, he said he spoke by the way of a parable. Now, what is a parable? A parable is a narrative of common life conveying a moral or spiritual lesson or truth. Again, this is just one of the teaching styles of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about what? A sower 
seed and soil. Sower, seed, and soil. Alright? If you are here this morning and when you were in the Philippines or maybe here and in you're into farming, you will know that you need a sower, you need seed, and you need good soil. Right? In the parable that Jesus Christ is conveying to us, this soil, these four soils represent four hearts. But first, let's look at the soil. The sower went to sow out seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. This is the hard soil. Now, how do you know that a particular plot of land is hard soil? If you're in the field and you notice that there is a pathway, there is a place where you can walk, does anything grow there? No. Why not? Because people use that as their walkway, as their pathway. So they trample whatever is alive, the few vegetation perhaps, or the grass. When you walk on it, what happens? the grass begins to die. And then more people and then more people use that. And then what? Nothing lives there anymore. Why? The soil has been hardened. So, when the sower sows the seed, it will just bounce off. The seed won't penetrate the soil. Why? It's hard. It's already hard. Other seed fell on rocky soil. As soon as it grew up, it withered away. Why? Because it had no moisture. This is the rocky soil. It has some topsoil. But underneath, what is there? You have rocks. If you're going to plant, what you usually do is get this huge tractor, break the ground, so that you will be able to expose the bigger rocks, remove those rocks, so that the area that you're going to plant is going to be thick with soil, not a thin topsoil that has a lot of rocks underneath. That's why when this sower sowed the seed and this type of and the seed fell on this type of soil, what happened? It withered. Why? No moisture. Why? Because the thin topsoil underneath was what? Big rocks. So the, the seed couldn't germinate. The seed couldn't take root. The seed couldn't grow. It withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. So what kind of soil? Thorny soil. The seed that the sower sowed fell on this type of soil. However, there was competition. Notice, the seed was growing. But along with the growing of the seed, there was also the growing of the thorns. Remember in Genesis chapter 3? 
when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the fruit of which God told them not to eat, one of the curses to Adam was what? From now on, you will labor by the sweat of your brow. You will harvest from where? Thorns and thistles. Is it easy to harvest when there are thorns? No. It's hard also to grow up when you're in the middle of thorns. Why? It competes with the nutrients of the ground. So the seed wants to grow, but there are also what? Thorns that draw out the water. Oh, let me fertilize it. What happens? You also fertilize the thorns. So what happens? It does not meet. It does not maximize its potential. And then the fourth, other seed fell into the good soil. It grew up. It produced a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears, let him hear. What happened? It produced a crop a hundred times as great. What is this? This is the fertile soil. You and I do not want to invest only to get back our investment. Correct? You and I want to invest. And when it comes back to us, we want a huge gain. Right? So it is. The, so the seed that fell on fertile soil, it produced a great harvest a hundred times over. Why? And why is Jesus Christ telling us this? He who has ears, let him hear. Even if you've heard this parable, even if you've heard this message, even if you've read this passage of Scripture, God is telling us today, if you have ears, listen. You just might learn something new. We want a harvest. We want a bountiful harvest, right? Means you have a good heart. It means you hold fast. It means that you have the potential of bringing forth a harvest, a great harvest for the Lord. He told everyone, he who has ears, let him hear. But look, his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. Who are these? These are the disciples of Jesus Christ. They have already spent personal time with Jesus Christ. They have already heard all of his lessons. Learned firsthand from the master teacher. And then what? Did they understand? The disciples not only did not understand, they, they questioned him, what do you mean? What does this mean? I mean? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. During their time, what were they? Most of them were what? Fishermen. What do you do as a fisherman? You just get the boat, bring it out, draw, pull down your net, draw it up, voila, fish. Or if no fish, voila. Right? Voila lang. Right? Now, it's good that these disciples asked, Lord, what does this mean? God is good. 
if you ask for wisdom, he will give you what you need. So what did Jesus Christ do? He began to explain. He began to explain it. Those four, four types of soil, the hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorny, the fertile soil, represents four different hearts. A closed heart, a shallow heart, a distracted heart, and a responsive heart. Okay? Jesus is explaining this. And he explains one by one. He said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That particular passage, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand, is similar to what God, through a vision to Isaiah, when Isaiah presented himself, here I am, send me. And guess what? God told Isaiah, you're going to preach, you're going to minister to a people who have ears, but they will not be able to hear. They will have eyes, but they will not be able to see. Will you be encouraged if I give you your marching orders? Okay, this is what you're going to do. And this is what you're going to tell them. Okay, but they're not going to listen to you, okay? Just do it, okay? He's telling them, this is what's going to happen. This, you guys, you disciples, you have in on the information. And when you share this with them, even if they have ears, they will not listen. Even if they have eyes, they will not see. You just continue to what? Persevere. You just continue to do what I'm asking you to do. Why? Because your perseverance maximizes your potential. So Jesus Christ explains. First, now the parable is this. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. So when we come together in our Bible studies, in our D group meetings, in our worship services, what should we be delivering to you? The Word of God. Who will pierce your heart, cause you to understand? God. Why? The Word of God is sharper than a double edged sword. It is the Word of God that you and I should listen to. Not simply because I'm here on this platform is that you should take everything that I say. Be a good Berean. Study your Bible. Read it. Meditate. Compare. Did, did what the pastor preach, is that in line with what the Bible preaches and teaches? What's the seed? The Word of God. And as the sower sows his seed, it falls on different soils, on different hearts, right? So the first soil was the hard soil. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that it's a closed heart. It's a closed heart. So when the sower sows, the seed just... Bounce off. And what happens? They don't believe the word of God. Their hearts are closed. 
And the result is, they don't believe. And the result of unbelief is what? They're not saved. Saved from what? Behold, today in the city of David, there has been born for you a? Why do we need a Savior? I need a Savior because I need to be saved. If I don't need to be saved, God does not need to send me a Savior. They didn't believe, and as a result of their unbelief, they were not saved. What happened? Look at 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. A natural man does not accept the things of God, for it's things of the Spirit of God. Why? They are foolishness to him. Why? He cannot understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. Do you really give 10% to your church? Yes. Are you crazy? Uncle Sam already gets first choice. And then you have to pay your insurance. And then you have to pay for your car. And then you have to pay for your car's insurance. And then your mortgage. And then your mortgage insurance. How are you going to make ends meet? If you don't have the Spirit of God, everything that is written in the Bible will become foolishness to you. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you make good judgments about everything. Why is it important to have the Holy Spirit? Look. Romans 8 verse 9. However, if you are, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of God, what? He does not belong to God. If you don't belong to God, you belong to somebody else. All right? You belong to somebody else. You cannot say that you are a Christian. You cannot say that you are a child of God because you don't belong to God. Why? You don't have the Spirit. That's why when somebody tries to share with you and your heart is closed, that word that is being sown just bounces off. It just bounces off. Luke 8. Verse 13. So that's the closed heart. Second heart. Those on the rocky soil are those who when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. This is the shallow heart. This is the person who went to a Bible study, a worship service, or whatever it is, to your D group, a birthday party, a child dedication, a wedding or whatever it is, and he heard about what Jesus Christ has done. Wow! This is what I have been waiting to hear for so many years. This is it. Immediately, he was joyful, found, heard about the good news, heard about salvation, heard about faith in Jesus Christ, etc., etc. And then, this type of soil, according to Jesus, is what? 
no firm root. What happens if a plant has no firm root? A little wind, a little nudge, gone. Right? Gone. For this particular person, what happened? At the time of temptation, what happened? They fall away. Why? Because perhaps they were not taught properly. There are a lot out there who say, all you need to do is come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then your life will be happy. Your bank account will increase. Your properties will increase. You will never get sick. You will never have problems. And then because of the wrong doctrine that is being proposed out there, they believe this kind of message. And then all of a sudden, boom! There's temptation. Why, why am I being tempted? I prayed to receive Christ. I put my faith in Him. I should be immune from temptation. Right? Wrong. We are not immune from temptation. We are not immune from temptation, but God has given us a promise. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is as common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Friends, the difference between a trial or a test and temptation, temptation desires to draw you away from God. A test, a trial is designed by God to draw you to himself. You get it? But if we are not taught properly, we think that they're the same. The Bible says, God does not tempt us. Does the Bible say that God will test us? Yes. Yes. Abraham was tested. Are you better than Abraham? I'm not better than Abraham. God allows certain tests in our lives. Trials are meant to draw you to God. Temptation pulls you away from God. Now, I don't want to embarrass this couple, but there is a couple in our midst whom God is allowing a very, very heavy trial. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few months. But this couple is committed to whatever God decides. Because God is sovereign. And if God should allow the positive result, praise be to God. If God does not allow a positive result, they are still committed to praise God. Now see, this kind of soil, what happened? What happened to that soil? The moment temptation comes in, I don't want I, I to follow Christ anymore. Very early on in my Christian life, I was able to 
teach a Bible study. And then one of the members stopped attending. Then I saw her in the mall. I said, hi, you remember me? Yes. What happened? I don't see you in the Bible anymore, the Bible study anymore. I stopped going. Why? After I went to attend your Bible studies, our house burned down. But she, in her mind, exactly, if I had not been attending Bible study, my house may not have died. My, my house may not have burned down. See? Why? Shallow. We have to make sure that when we teach, we teach the entire counsel of Scripture. You won't have any problems anymore. What did Jesus Christ say? I tell you, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It's very easy to sell, quote-unquote, sell Christianity, quote-unquote. I say, you know, all you need to do is come to Christ. Everything will be okay. Those of you who have come to Christ, is everything okay? Why so long your face? No. <laughs> no. Why? God is still changing me. God is still molding me. God is still conforming me to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, I don't like Christianity anymore because before coming to Christ, I am healthy. Now I'm sick. Why did we come here, those of you who know us? Why, why are we in the U.S.? Why did we come here in the first place? Because my wife was sick. End-stage renal failure. But is God at work? Praise God. What if you're just shallow? No more. Goodbye, CCF. They, don't, they only give 9% tight. No more. I'll go home back to the Philippines. Very shallow. See, you have to deepen your roots. You have to persevere so that you maximize your potential for the Lord. See, God will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear. He will, with the temptation, He never said He will remove the temptation. He said, with the temptation, what? I'll provide a way out. Now, whose responsibility is it now? Yun. See? It's your responsibility to take the way out. Yes? then you will be able to prove the faithfulness of God. Third, what does he want to do? Not yet on the third. Why does God allow those trials? John 15, 1 and 2. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, the one who takes care of the garden. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. What does God do? What is God committed to do in your life? Why? To hurt you? To give you a hard time? No. To what? So that you will bear more fruit. 
so that you will bear more fruit. I always like this illustration because mango trees take like 15 to 20 years to bear fruit, right? So you plant one mango seed. And then after 15, 20 years, Pastor, I have harvested how many? You spend 15 to 20 years going back and forth to your farm. Brother Toto is not here. He raises mangoes in the Philippines. And then you will harvest one? You don't expect to harvest one. You want a lot of return. Yes? So what does God do? He prunes you. Pruning. Ow. Ow. Those are not my bones. That's God pruning me, okay? Ah, God, this hurts. That hurts. But if I know that God is allowing it so that I will bear more fruit, okay, God. All right, God. Because I trust your heart, God. Third heart. The seed which fell among the thorns. Those are the ones who have heard. And they're already going on their way. However, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is a distracted heart. How do we know that this is a distracted heart? Look, they are choked up. He's already heard it. He's already going on his way. However, the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life result in what? Bring no fruit to maturity. It does not bring fruit to maturity. Look at what John the Beloved says in 1 John chapter 2. Remember, worries, riches, and pleasures. Look, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away and its lusts, but to the one who does the will of God lives forever. Notice those three that I've underlined for you and compare it to the book of Genesis. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightful to the eyes, desirable for making one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And because of that, sin entered the world, and death through sin, therefore all died because all have sinned. Is there anything wrong with money? Is there anything wrong with owning a house? Is there anything wrong with owning a car? No. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this. But look at what First Timothy says. But those who want to get Rich. What? They fall into temptation and a snare in many foolish harmful desires which plunge men 
into ruin and destruction. I worked 20 years in finance. And I don't know if you've heard about this. But here's a saying. If it sounds too good to be true, it must be too good to be true. Get it? Ponzi schemes. You invest 10 bucks, $1,200 at the year's end. Hello? But we get drawn. Why? Because we get drawn to the attraction of having a lot of money. And look at the warning. Paul writes, Timothy, warn those who want to get rich. They will fall into a temptation, in a snare, and many foolish, harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Why? For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What is God telling us? Don't love money. Use money. Do not let money use you. Master your possessions. Don't let your possessions master you. Why? If your desire is a love for money, look at the warning. You will fall into all kinds of evils. You will even wander away from the faith. Again, this morning, I saw a pastor. God told me I need this brand new jet. And it's, I need $75 million. Yet, his congregation puts out, puts out the money. Some of us need to be very clear. Because while we were growing up, we said, oh, money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is that what the Bible is saying? No. The Bible says love for money is a root. It's just one. It's a root of all kinds of evil. There's a lot more. And some of them, those who run after money, what happens? The Bible is telling, telling us they wander from the faith. Oh, I can give you stories upon stories of people whose life were happy when they had almost nothing. And then, God begins to bless them. And they have cars, they have houses, they have all kinds of stuff. And as a result, the family is broken. They have money. But the family is a mess. So what would you like? You want to have a happy family? With no money? Will you want lots of money but no family? Listen to what God is telling us. What's the first heart? Hard heart. What's the second heart? Shallow heart. What's the third? Distracted heart. What's the fourth? Responsive heart. But the seed in the good soil these are the ones who have heard the word and in an honest and good heart hold it fast, bear fruit 
with perseverance. This is the good soil. This is the responsive heart. It's the word of God fell on good soil. They took it in. They held fast. And as a result, they bore much fruit with perseverance. It does not happen by itself. It takes a lot of work. My elder brother takes care of the farm. He visits the farm. He actually lives on the farm. The farm is subdivided into what we call camps. Camp number one, when is the planting of the seed? When is the fertilizing? When do we put insecticide? When do we pull out the weeds? You monitor it. You just don't leave it. Why? You've seen even in the reports, in the news, in the Philippines especially, when you are inspecting, wow, the forest is thick. There is the report about deforestation and illegal logging. It's not true. Look, the forest. And then you take the helicopter. Oh, it's just the front of the forest. In behind, there's no more. So if you have a property or if you're taking care of something, you must persevere, visit, check up, validate, right? Because it will not happen by itself. Are you a Christian? Yes. Why do you say, why oh, go with my parents? Christianity is not by osmosis. Just because you're with your parents, just because you go to Sunday school, doesn't make you a Christian. All right? This is a good soil. This is a good heart. He received the word of God. He holds the word of God. And through perseverance, what is the result? It bears fruit. The word perseverance in Greek is hupomone. It means perseverance. It means cheerful endurance. It means patience. It means continuance. It means waiting. It means abiding. It means to continue. Continuing in the word, continuing in God will bear fruit. Because, what's the message? Your perseverance will maximize potential. Remember this? I'm the true vine, the branches. God will prune you. Why? So that you may bear more fruit. Note, the branch is already bearing fruit. Yet God prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. But God, can't I just be a, a Christian? You know, I just pray to receive Christ and then I wait for Jesus' return or just bring me to heaven. I don't want to go through all of this. Why do you need to prune me? Why do you need to take out these things? Why? Look, verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you much from no fruit to some fruit to more fruit to much fruit, which brings the most glory to God. Much fruit. So if you want to bring glory to God, you must go for the much fruit. You must move from no fruit to some fruit, 
to more fruit, to much fruit. Don't stay here. Don't be happy here. Oh, definitely don't stay here. Because if you have no fruit, it's dangerous. Move, grow, gravitate towards producing much fruit. Why? By this is my Father glorified. God wants us to grow. Do you believe that God wants you to grow? Look at what John the Beloved writes. I'm writing to you, little children. Why? Because your sins have been forgiven you. That's all the child knows. The first day that the person comes to faith in Christ, Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. Yes! That's sufficient for day one. But then look, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. It connotes a deeper understanding, a deeper fellowship with God. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Not only does he know that his sins are forgiven, but he knows how to fight and he knows how to win. He knows how to overcome. I've written to you children because you know the father. Do you see the progression? Little children, children, young men, father. You see it? You see that God wants us to grow in our walk, in our relationship with Him? Don't be content because perseverance maximizes your potential. Persevere. Do the work. Continue to desire to grow. Why? Ah, but uh, pastor, you know, I, I'm already doing this. I'm already leading a Bible study group. I already have this on this day. I'm also doing this. I'm also doing this. So I'm okay then we should erase this. This should not be in the Bible. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, in your knowledge self-control, in your self-control perseverance, in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness love. Does God want us to grow, yes or no? Yes. Continue to grow. Don't be content with where you are. Complacency will not allow you to reach your maximum for the Lord. Now we need people to help us grow. Look, Paul wrote, I planted. Who's next? Apollos. What did Apollos do? He watered. In the end, who will cause the growth? God. But I need a Paul. I need an Apollos. And where do I get this? I get this in a discipleship relationship. I need you to help me. And I hope you need me to help you. Look at what the Bible is telling us. So neither is the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything. But ultimately, but God who causes the growth. So what is our role? Now he who plants and he who waters are what? One. We all need it. But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Do you need me? I need you. 
we have our individual role to play in the building up of the body of Christ. Some of you will plant. Some of you will water. Some of you will harvest. All of that is important. Ultimately, it is God who causes the growth. So what should we do? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Run with endurance or run with perseverance. That is the race set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. Lay aside every encumbrance. That means it's not even sin. So God is telling us, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles. In the first Olympic Games, they ran naked. Why? If you're wearing stuff, it's additional weight. Wind drag coefficiency, etc., etc. Up to now, they, they, they have so many things, so many new products. Why? So I can swim faster, so I can run faster, so I can win the race. I have to set my eyes on the, the prize. I have to be single-minded. My prize is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. Now, we cannot do everything, right? But can you do at least one thing and do it well? I'm sure you can. I'm sure you have that potential. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Of, but God, it's hard. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And how do we prevent ourselves from being weighed down from, by sin? Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you also. Abide in my love. Continue in my love. Persevere in my love. Now, how do I persevere in God's love? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's no shortcut, folks. If you want to say that I'm abiding in the Lord, it means you're obeying Christ. That's what he says. And he says, these things I have spoken to you, why? To give you a hard time. So that my joy may be in you and your joy may be what? Complete. There is no shortcut to being happy in the Lord except like the old hymn. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's no shortcut. I wish there were. Some of the commandments that God are giving us are hard, right? Yes or no? But if you want to be happy in Jesus, you must trust and obey. How do we know that we are wise and trusting and obeying God? Matthew 7 tells us, and for time, I'm, you know this, 
So I'm going to skip over it. If you hear the words of God, you must obey them. Then you are a wise builder. You build on solid rock. If you hear the word of God and don't obey it, Bible is telling us, you're like a fool. You're building your house on sand. When the storms of life come, your house, which you have built on sand, will collapse with a great crash. If you listen to the word of God and obey it, you're a wise builder. You're building on solid rock. When the storms of life come, your house will stand. What should we do this morning? If you have a closed heart, all you need to do is open your heart to Jesus. How do you do that? Jesus is extending the invitation. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what you've done. All he wants you to do is put your faith in him. He's asking you to open your heart and invite him to come into your life as your savior and as the Lord of your life. He wants an intimate, personal relationship with you. That's why he's inviting you to dinner. Where you are face to face with him and you're talking about life. That's the kind of relationship God wants for you to establish. And it can only be through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a closed heart this morning, open it to Jesus. If you find yourself to have a shallow heart, you've heard this message before, you've prayed that prayer, but something along the way is not going right. And you're pulling yourself away from God. May I suggest you trust God's way? God's ways are higher than our ways. James chapter 1 tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you know God, and if you trust God's heart, you will be able to accept whatever God allows. Because you know that God only desires what is good, what is best for you. But pastor, I've been praying for something for so long and God has not answered me yet. Maybe it's not good for you. Maybe God is telling you to wait. Because if God does not change your situation, maybe God is trying to change your heart. Maybe you have a distracted heart. You, st you started well. All we need to do is what? Finish well. If you have been distracted by the temptations and draw of this world, you and I need to learn to be content. Paul was rich. He was a Pharisee. He had power, position, influence, and money. But he gave it all up to follow Christ, to know him who died 
on that cross. He writes to Timothy, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. It's not getting the latest iPhone. It's not getting the latest car. It's not getting the bigger house. It's about being content. Be content with what God allows. Because God is at work. Maybe he's not giving you that big house. Maybe he's not giving you that new car because he knows that you will not be able to take it without forsaking him. You have to trust his heart and learn to be content. Perhaps you're the fourth heart and you already have a responsive heart and you're bearing fruit for the Lord. May I encourage you to keep growing? It's like riding a bike. The moment you stop pedaling, what happens? You fall. So you're already moving. Keep on pedaling so that you always have forward progress. Second Peter chapter 2 says, in continuing with the, what I read for you a while ago, if all of the above are in you if this these qualities are yours and are increasing what they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ God wants us to grow and keep on growing many prophets will arise and mislead many because lawlessness will increase most people's love will grow cold but the one who endures to the end he will be saved this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. You want Jesus to come? You want Jesus to fix the world? Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Why? Because the promise of the Lord is until and unless the gospel is preached through all the world, he will not return. In all of this, may I leave you with a word of encouragement. Whatever the condition of your heart is, know this promise that Paul gave to his letter to the Philippians. And we'll close with this. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Complete it. Will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Four soils represent four hearts. Perseverance maximizes potential. Where are you this morning? Where would you like to be this morning? Let's bow. God Almighty, thank you for your word. And even if we know this story already, we read about it, we'd heard about it many times. I pray, Lord God, that it has been a time of refreshing to read your word yet again, to know different insights, and to hear you speak to us. God, if there is anyone here 
who still has a hard heart towards you, will you speak to that person, Lord God? Will you allow your Holy Spirit to minister to that person and will you allow that person to open his or her heart to your son, Jesus Christ? And perhaps this day would be a day of salvation. If you are that person, in the silence of your heart or even with your mouths, just say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you and I cannot save myself. I acknowledge that only you died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. I respond to your invitation, Lord God, and I open the door of my heart and I invite Jesus to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you that with the Holy Spirit now living in me, I may live for your glory and bear you much fruit. Friend, if you prayed that prayer based on the promise of Scripture, you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice exceedingly. For the Bible says that if one soul repents, there is much rejoicing in heaven. If you are that person, tell somebody of the good news that you've received. If you're here this morning and you have a shallow heart, deepen that relationship with God. Read your Bible. Get involved in a discipleship group. Be discipled so you can disciple others. Learn not only to study the Bible, but to obey it. If you're here this morning, if you had distracted heart and, and your desires are competing with God being the center of your life, then will you ask God to take up his rightful place once again to be in the center, to be in the throne of your life? And let God take care of the rest. If you're here this morning and you already have a responsive heart, continue to grow. Don't stop growing. Don't be complacent. Don't be content with where you are in your walk with the Lord. God will prune you because he wants you to bear more fruit so that you will bear much fruit. Because by this is God glorified that we who profess to be his disciples will bear much fruit. God, we want to thank you for sowing the seed in our lives, your word. Thank you for the people that you have allowed into our lives. Those who were faithful enough to share the gospel with us. Those who loved us enough who invited us to a Bible study, to a worship service, to whatever it is, Lord, that we went to where we heard the good news of salvation. Continue, Lord God, to use us. Thank you for reminding us that this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ must be preached because there are many people, Lord, there who need your salvation. Use us, Lord God, in the coming year to persevere in our walk 
to run with endurance the race that is set before us, to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles, that we might continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that this time next year, Lord God, we can look each other in the eye. We can look before you and say that we have grown by leaps and bounds in our love relationship with you. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.